Upon the current issues and the Constitution show, Professor Wilson will encourage you to stay informed and read the U.S. Constitution. The show is intended to shine a light on current issues that impact your daily life. Professor Wilson has twice received the American History Teacher of the Year Award in the state of West Virginia and is the recipient of many honors. He served in the armed forces and is currently a college professor. He is a true patriot who believes the understanding of the Constitution is key to our future and our future freedoms rest with informed youth. Please join us live where you can ask questions or listen on your time. Just follow the show feed to receive the latest shows delivered right to you. Don't miss any of these informative episodes. Are you ready? Take out a copy of the U.S. Constitution, a notepad, and let's get ready to learn. Well, hi and welcome to everyone who's joining us today. My name is Blake Gerwitz and with me on the line is Professor Woody Wilson. Welcome, Woody. Thank you, Felice. Really happy to be here with you. Yeah, we are approaching uh, the holiday season and we'll be taking a little bit of a break. But we have some, um, you know, I'm big on evergreen content as much as we possibly can on our broadcast. But this is something um, that is so important. I'm really glad you wanted to discuss it. And uh, so we're, we are going to talk about a, a few things um, but one of the main topics today is atheism and Christmas as well as, you know, all the other um, holidays and public buildings, and I think we can go on a lot of tangents with that. And also there's our show notes are on current issues and the Constitution. So if you scroll down and you look for um, Atheists and Christmas, you will see this podcast, and the show notes will be there. Um, as well as a link to a YouTube video that uh, you sent me, Woody, uh, with Clay uh, Kristen, who, is that how you say his name? Clay Kristen? On uh, religious so, yeah. freedom. Yeah. And uh, that was a really short uh, YouTube video, but it really summarized a lot of what, you know, you have been saying, Woody. I, when, when I watched that video, I, I said, wow, has he been talking to Woody? Because... <laughs> I've heard that before, and uh, I've heard it on the show and in, in conversations, private conversations with you, but um, you said that quite a bit about how democracy is really tied to um, the freedom of religion and the fact that people will tend to do things uh, just because, uh, not necessarily because there is a law. Of course, not all, all people, but uh, uh, the majority of, of the good people, so... Well, let's uh, let's begin, Woody, with uh, uh, whatever topic you would like to start. I know you wanted to talk a little bit um, about the election. Do you still want to do that? Uh, yeah, just very briefly, let's get this one out of the way. Um, okay. Yesterday morning, I'm not sure what station he was on, but Jeb Bush uh, was asked about his intentions for running for the presidency. And he said that... Um, we will actively explore. We will actively explore. Now, that he has been asked many times in the last several weeks, and he just kind of skirts the question. Good politician, talks around it. And this is the strongest statement he has made. We will actively explore, meaning he is already actively exploring mm -hmm. and apparently getting some good news from donors, from um, groups that, that could support him, 
uh, from people in the Republican National Committee, something uh, makes him make a stronger statement. I was thinking maybe maybe he had a um, private phone call with Mitt Romney, and Romney told him, no, I, Jeb, I am definitely not going to run. It's all yours. Because if Romney and Bush run, well, there's not a dime's worth of difference between the two, and mm-hmm. they would kind of cancel each other out um, amongst primary voters, and perhaps a third candidate would uh, capture the vote. So um, I, I don't know. But anyway, uh, I just wanted to ask you, Felice, um, you've had a lot of experience with Jeb Bush as uh, when he was governor. Uh, what are your comments on his tenure as governor of Florida? Well, as a governor good, of Florida, good executive. Yeah, yeah, I, I I really did love him as governor. Um, I think the one uh, place that he dropped the ball was there was that whole Terry Shrivo um, debacle happening at the time, and um, they, they he could have stayed it as governor and allowed her to have her feeding tube. I don't know if anyone even remembers that whole thing. And and that was probably the one thing he did not do as governor that he could have done. Um, And so really disappointed there. But but other than that, you know, there was not a a big uh, push for the Common Core at the time. I'm sure it was was percolating. We just didn't even know what that was. And also Agenda 21... Uh, has definitely been there for a while. Again, not in the forefront, not percolating uh, where we could actually find information opposed to it and and uncovering, which we've done many times on this show. And we've got whole shows on Agenda 21 and and some dealing with Common Core uh, that really uh, point out the fallacies of both of these uh, products, if you will, which they're not products, they're philosophies or beliefs or um, an agenda, um, and Jeb Bush hardly supports both. And so uh, I believe it was um, a very, I can't remember who it was now, but uh, one of the conservative senators uh, was on the news who said that, oh, it was Rand Paul. Um, he said he didn't see how Jeb would get the nomination, especially with anything related to Common Core. So um, I will agree with Rand Paul that it will be really hard for me um, to vote for him. You know, we've unfortunately in the last few years, it's been the lesser of the two evils. And, you know, some people will say, no, I cannot even go with that. I have to vote my conscience. And I I cannot, like a lot of people, would not vote for um, Mitt Romney. Uh, So... Um, you know, I understand Romney's tied to both of those things, but again, it was not something that was in the spotlight um, during the last election. Right. Well, you know, the, the Republican Party has the uh, same characteristics as the Dem- Democratic Party, and and that's been uh, pretty well covered in the media last uh, two or three. Is they, you know, you have the moderates, and you have the um, Far left or far right, I wouldn't say far left or far right, but true conservatives, true as opposed to moderates. And in fact, if you mm-hmm. look at uh, some of the votes uh, in Congress recently, especially on that budget, uh, you had a lot of Democrats and Republicans coming together, and they're moderates, passing a budget that is just very, um, very insufficient to uh, people like Ted Cruz, 
on the Republican right and people like Elizabeth Warren on the Democratic left. And while they're polarized, uh, those two, nonetheless, they had something in common insofar as they opposed and voted against that budget measure that did pass. So um, the Republicans will have that that problem. And recently, um, since Ronald Reagan, Republican candidates have been pretty much moderate, uh, just slightly right of center. And um, they always get the nomination because that's where the greatest numbers are. Now, I don't. We'll have to wait and see this with this Tea Party movement and a basically some real anger amongst Republican people who would vote Republican could cause a lot of people, uh, could cause a few million people to move further to the right and might find a more conservative candidate uh, to be more attractive than somebody like Jeb Bush or Mitt Romney or Chris Christie, um, all those guys that want to play ball. And mm-hmm. so it will be, be a very interesting thing to watch. Um, there are 24 or 25 Republicans, uh, governors, uh, senators, and so on, that have expressed an interest in running for the president. And, of course, you know, by the end of February, I think probably more than half, if not more, will drop out. And um, we'll see how it shakes out as we get into spring. So it could be very, very interesting. And, uh, I, you know, Felice, to tell you the truth, I don't see a decent candidate in either party. I really don't. Do you? No, at this point I don't, especially with what you explained about the moderates seeming to get the nomination for president. And and that's where we have to just um, be vigilant and we need to inform uh, people um, as much as we possibly can, which we do on this podcast, and also point people to places where they can um, get information locally. Uh, a lot of people are starting local coalitions and uh, weekly meetings to cover things like uh, the, the problems uh, that people are seeing in education. Uh, locally, we're finding a big exodus uh, in public education to homeschooling because of Common Core and frustrations that uh, parents are seeing their children exhibit and trying to get nonsense homework done. So uh, I think eventually we'll move to, you know, digital books and not even sending homework home so parents can't see what's going on. Um, So, but we'll see. Uh, You know, it's going to be interesting and we'll definitely be following it and bringing our listeners uh, our take on it. (laughs) It's a good thing we have similar opinions on things. But, um, yeah, so... And that will be interesting. But, you know, now with the holidays upon us, you know, you hear from time to time uh, these uh, things that come along with, uh, you know, maybe a nativity scene not being allowed to be displayed in a town um, or uh, a picture that may have been up uh, for years in a courthouse that is being asked, um, you know, atheists uh, a petition to have it taken down. So, you know, let's first of all start with a definition of, you know, I guess first let's start with, you know, what is an atheist? There are agnostics, atheists, and, you know, then Christians and and Jewish or Judeo-Christian would encompass um, the rest. And so, you know, an, an atheist is really someone who has no, does not believe that there is a God at all, 
Is that correct, Woody? And then we can right. just they, do a quick uh, they have They have no no inclination whatsoever to appreciate the existence of a divine being of any type. Mm-hmm. Um, and agnostics, of course, are people that are, oh, I suppose, in anguish and um, undecided, not sure, doubtful, but not ready to reject the idea of a divine being. But a- atheists, true atheists, are what about 6% of the population, 5 or 6%. And sometimes I think they live in caves and or deep holes they dug in the ground. And when they hear the word Jesus or Christ or Christmas, they come out of their holes and out of their caves and begin to to attack. And that leaves me the second question: What is their problem? Why mm-hmm. and why are they so angry? Um, I really don't understand that. Um, I can almost understand their point of view, but their anger. Why would Christianity, and why do they attack Christianity? Why don't they attack Judaism or Islam? Just Christianity. Just the idea of Jesus and Christ particularly. Uh, those words so offend them, and they, they get mad. They get angry as if somebody were trying to hurt them or take their property or uh, kidnap their children or something. You know, it's something uh, really extreme. So I don't understand the mind of an atheist, and I've never really talked to one to tell you the truth. Um, I'm not sure I want to. I might be attacked. Well, um, we, I, I have, and it's very interesting, um, you know, the, the train of thought. <clears throat> and a lot of it has to do with the sense that uh, Christianity tells you what to do, but being an atheist is freeing and that there is no one to tell you what to do because there is no higher being and they are at the highest level. And, you know, that's oh. that's what, you know, I, I've had um, people, uh, you know, acquaintances um, in college and also my daughter um, had some experience with atheism in college as well. And that was, you know, the underlying thing that, that uh, Christianity is a, a bunch of rules and, you have to go with, you know, what these rules say, whereas I don't have any rules to follow, and that's why it's offensive, because when I see that, I think you're trying to tell me, which, of course, it's not. An activity display is not saying anything. It's an inanimate object. But um, you're trying to tell me that I have to, you know, change or follow this, and I don't want to change my behavior and so forth. Um, recently, the, the children and I this summer saw a movie, God's Not Dead, and that attempted to explain a little bit about the thought process behind um, a professor uh, who actually is played, uh, played, by, played extremely well. I mean, it was a low-budget uh, film. Did you see it, Woody? Uh, it's uh, quite a coincidence that you bring it up. It just came in the mail yesterday. Oh, <laughs> so we'll be we'll, uh, Jeannie and I will be watching it tonight. Yeah, I, it was interesting because first of all, I thought it was cast very well. The young man who played the um, the student, um, it it really watched the movie. I mean, at some points he blushed, and I just thought he he was very well um, well chosen. And the professor is really a very strong Christian. But he plays uh, evil well. Like it's right. almost 
um, palatable at, at points. I, I wish that the discussions had been deeper and had, you know, because you see these little, I mean, they're, they're short uh, sessions where the young man is allowed to debate the professor. And, and you know, he explains why at some point that he, um, he you know, he chose this way. It wasn't always like that. And I think that's what you'll find for the most part. A lot of people who are atheists have left Christianity or some form of religion somewhere um, in their past. And that is um, is typically what you find. Every once in a while, I think there would be maybe one person that never grew up with any form of anything. You know, actually, there's there's oh, several yeah, people sure. I know, yeah. you know, yeah. that that were not introduced. There was no religion in their home at all, you know, of any any right. sense. Um, and that's and that seems, you know, that's that always, seems to be growing. Those numbers seem mm-hmm. to be growing. Right. I you think know, when I was a, when I was a kid growing up back in the 1950s, my gosh, everybody was Christian. Everybody went to church on Sunday and mm-hmm. Wednesday and Sunday nights and. Right. 95%, 96% of the American people were avowed Christians. Well, today that number is down around 65 to 70%. And so you get right. you just get this tremendous growth of this culture out there, this really ugly uh, anything but Christian culture that we're seeing in many aspects and being promoted with social media and, and other kinds of technologies, it just seems to be draining. Uh, you know, just eat, drink, and be merry, have a good time, party, and all of that stuff, um, as opposed to moral responsibility and those kinds of things. Um, I see that happening, and uh, I'm just sorry, very sorry to see it happening. Because I, I know from a study of history that Christianity... <laughs> is really the root um, of our democratic system. It really is. It's what, make, like, like the pro- Harvard professor said, it's what makes it work. Right. And we'll have that uh, that video in the show notes. And it's um, the, t- the title of the podcast, I pulled it up. If I would just write these things down, it would be clearer for the audience to find our show notes. It's, it's called Politics, Atheists, and Christmas. So that's what the post will say. And uh, I probably should be giving Wonderful. these... Um, numbers every every uh, recording has a number and i can add that to um at some point uh okay so you know as as always uh we look to the law and what the constitution says so i believe um amendment 1 has something to say about about freedom of speech and religion yeah i i think it was so important to them um when the in the writing of the constitution era and remember, mm-hmm. this is not part of the original Constitution. Uh, this is uh, four years later um, when the Bill of Rights were passed, ten amendments altogether. But the first thing they said, the very first thing, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Now, in fact, they make two statements on religion. The first one is basically they're looking across the Atlantic Ocean and they see uh, all of the nations of Europe have government-established, required religions. And if you don't practice that religion, you might be tortured, you might be killed. There are civil wars being fought between religious groups. 
And to avoid that in America, in a democratic state, then there cannot be an established national government-mandated religion. And follows that up with a corollary or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Congress, and of course, notice it doesn't say president or Supreme Court. Congress has the legislative power. I think that's something Obama forgot with his amnesty plan for immigration. Congress shall make no law prohibiting the free exercise of religion. Well, Congress hasn't done that, but the courts have, reacting to suits from atheists, uh, sometimes through the ACLU, uh, sometimes from their own organizations. Uh, They basically go to the courts. Um, Freedom from Religion Foundation is one of those. They go to the courts and they get injunctions against religious practices, like uh, you said, Felice. Uh, Maybe a small town in North Carolina wants to put up a a Christmas display of of several different types. Um, In Piedmont, Alabama, the article that we sent out, uh, it was a parade, and it was the name of the parade. It wasn't the parade itself. It was the name of the parade that uh, made these people angry once again. And they have this thing going. And I've been reading about this off and on for the last two or three years. Um, whether it's a school or a uh, church or a, a municipal government, uh, they send this letter, and it's always the same letter, uh, advising them that they're use of Christmas or anything related to Christmas or Christ or Christianity it has been ruled unconstitutional by, and they list uh, several court cases, and then they threaten a lawsuit against the school or the school board or the town or whatever, and the school boards in the towns basically buckle under because they can't afford uh, a lawsuit. Uh, they can't afford to go to court. It costs tremendous amounts of money. And this um, Wisconsin group, Freedom from Religious Foundation, Religion Foundation, know that. So all they got to do is send the letter and people buckle under. So what we need to do is uh, uh, come up with an organization, uh, Freedom of Religion Foundation, and um, raise the money, big amounts of money, and take these guys on. Take them on in the courts because the First Amendment is perfectly clear. The courts are, in cooperation with the ACLU and other groups, they are denying us free exercise of religion. If the people of my town want to have a prayer before a football game, uh, then we should be able to do that. And if people, if they're atheists, if that makes them angry, well, they shouldn't come to the football game. They don't have to come Mm -hmm. to the football game. They don't have to come to church. And if they drive by the courthouse uh, uh, where the nativity scene is set up in large figures, they just can stare straight ahead. I mean, why why bother? I mean, why attack Christianity? Why are you so angry? You know, just it just um, these are not the kind of people I would want to spend any time with, to be quite honest. And I think most of us feel that way. I feel sorry for them. Um, uh, like the statement says that I found, atheists are bitter because they find exi- existence to be empty and meaningless. Yeah, your heart's got to go out to somebody that lives like that. I've said it many times before, people filled with hatred, uh, which they seem to have. Um, 
it's really a, a saddened thing. And, of course, we have to forgive them and um, give them our compassion. But now, you know, I've gotten to the point now, I've been watching this for so many years, I just, I'm almost amused uh, sometimes. And I, do, I just pay very little attention to it anymore. I do not take it seriously. They don't seem to be making much progress. Um, and I, I think that there will be, I'm hoping there will be, um, if we have a reform movement, I think there will be a backlash against these kinds of court decisions. And I'm really hoping to see that. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think we need to be vigilant and fight back against it because um, what tends to happen is, you know, we get caught up in um, being angry ourselves. And if if we just are supportive of the people who are, you know, putting these things up, I know that if it's on church property, it's pretty safe. There's a lot of drive-through um, nativity types of things around here. Um, and, and because it is on private property, there really isn't anything that can be done about that. But it seems like a, a, the agenda is really one um, to cause, uh, you know, division and incur costs, especially when it comes to legal costs. Um, I just can't believe that some of these attorneys actually take these cases um, or if some of the people within the group are attorneys who donate their time. Because I think some are. Yeah, it just seems like it's a it's a big waste of money. So, um, but you know, I, I do know that one of the things, the best things that we can do as as a Christian people, and you know, for those of you listening, whatever your your you know particular walk is um, in faith, is to not um, you know engage hostily as much as possible and just to keep an even keel and to, um, you know, agree to disagree. I know the comments and, and discussions that I've had with people, you know, that's where we would we would get yeah. to that point, you know. And, you know, the biggest thing, um, brownie point, if you will, Woody, that I ever got in discussing, um, you know, religion or the lack thereof with an atheist uh, was the fact that, you know, he was getting a little bit, angry and I just said to him well why are you so vehemently opposed to something that doesn't exist as far as you're concerned you know because <laughs> good question it just, it just seemed like you know he had kind of looked at me and didn't know what to say to that and I started laughing and then he tried not to laugh but I could see he thought it was funny too um, because it just seems like such a huge waste of energy if it doesn't even exist you know why are you bothering right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, well, I'm sure I got that from someone else. But, um, but yeah, it just seems uh, to be a, a waste of time and breath. And, um, you know, it, it just uh, logic uh, shows, on the other hand, I think that's what that movie uh, tried to present. Um, with God's Not Dead, I think it tried to pre- present a logical progression to faith. And uh, that was laid out pretty clearly. Like I said, it didn't go very deep. So, um, you know, I, I was in my mind adding to what the young man was saying. Yeah. I wanted to be in the room holding up my hand and going, yes, and then this point and this point. But, um, you know, it's it's just a, a sad case when we can't uh, even have um, our own expressions within a, a community uh, and 
and uh, you know, it's uh, it's sad. But we're going to move on now and get into some politics. Uh, we've got quite a bit going on, um, and one of them is the CIA report that discussed. Uh, the details of um, some of the tactics that were used with terrorists, and I'm appalled that this is even under question. I cannot believe, first of all, this is uh, these reports. Let's, first, let's go into that, Woody. What are the reports, and what exactly? Um, and I believe it was uh, it was a single party that it was not a. Um, a bilateral or both Democrat and Republicans coming out with this report. So why don't you share with us exactly what it is, and then I'll give you some of what I think. Exactly, and I agree with you 100%. This thing should never have been released. Uh, uh, like all of the details about who killed Kennedy, it should be uh, kept in a locks box for 100 years and perhaps released. Then this should never have been released. Um it was basically released by the chairman or chairperson of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Now, you know that in each House of, uh, of Congress, you have several committees. You have standing committees. They're always there, like Intelligence, for example, or a Budget Committee, a Foreign Relations Committee, and uh, that both the House and the Senate have them. Well, Dianne Feinstein, a senator from California, is the chairperson of that Intelligence Committee. And she was apparently offended by something. She said something about the CIA trying to mm -hmm. tap her emails or break into her communication system. Um, and people are wondering if that's why she released it. Um, it should, And again, it should never have been released because there are people alive, and I have seen them on television the last two or three days, that have been exposed by this report, and whose lives and families are now in danger. Uh, people are going to get hurt, and I can almost promise you people are going to die because of this decision. Now, whether it's just Muslims in the Middle East just really, really angry and looking for Americans to kill, or whether there's going to be retribution against individuals that are involved in it. And the thing is, it was released 10 years later. Ten years later. Now, for people looking at it today, can they remember what it was like in the days after those 9-11 attacks? Can they remember the fear, the anger um, that Americans felt at that time? And can we remember the motivation as, as the attacks on the uh, buildings are and you know, the crash in Pennsylvania and the Pentagon, are they, are they mindful that anthrax um, was being mailed uh, to government officials. Can we understand the absolute intensity of the necessity to find out who these people are, what else do they have planned? They're very sophisticated. Um, if they can do what they did on 9-11, they can do a lot of things. There was a great fear that they could smuggle a nuclear weapon into the mm -hmm. United States, and we needed to find out. So this report, like you said, Felice, uh, details the tactics, uh, methods, the people that were involved in it, uh, and all of those kinds of things. And there were things like confining people to small boxes, uh, sleep deprivation, simulated drowning, slapping, threats to kill, harm, sexually abused families, the captives. 
Okay, so people on the left, and certainly Diane Feinstein or Feinstein, uh, consider that torture. And people on the right, and I think I probably would agree with, with this, this point, it's not torture, it's enhanced interrogation. Torture to mm -hmm. me is just horrible, bloody, uh, cruel, and brutal physical um, uh, assaults on an individual that's tied up or chained up or something like that 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 leaves them injured and possibly hospitalized and possibly dead. Um, I think that might have happened in one or two or three cases, but overall um, uh, in that whole time period when we're trying to get information from the people that killed us on 9-11. I mean, you know, one of the top guys, of course, was uh, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, who was the architect of the 9-11 attack. He brought about the death of more than 3,000 innocent human beings. And, you know, waterboarding, uh, what they call simulated drowning or threats or uh, mm -hmm. rough treatment, sleep deprivation, uh, hunger, uh, causing hunger, those kinds of things. Um, I think that's justified because I remember clearly what it was like in the days and weeks after 9-11. And I'm worrying about myself and my family, um, and so is everybody else. So by all means, it's the CIA's job, it's the government's job, it's the president's job to find out who these people are and um, and stop them. And, and the thing that, that really gets me, I, I noticed that some journalists uh, thought of it also, and we're so busy, so busy attacking President Bush over something that happened 10 years ago. Right. Why aren't they busy attacking Obama's drone strikes, where he uh, sends drones to fire missiles and kill people in villages, and and they kill the terrorist leaders, and they kill about uh, 30 or 40 uh, men, women, and children? Isn't that far more brutal than waterboarding? I mean, yeah. you killed them, or you blew their arms and legs off for crying out loud. So, I mean, let's get real about this. Let's put it in perspective. Um, it is not that big a deal. And I, I really think this is going to backfire on Dianne Feinstein and the uh, uh, Democrats and some media that support her. So it's like Carl Rove put it. Uh, the idea was to inculcate fear and panic. It was not to hurt them. It was not to break their bones or put them in the hospital and none of that happened. Uh, it was to inculcate fear and panic in their minds, which eventually uh, gives them incentive to incentive to reveal what they knew. In fact, uh, mm -hmm. Vice President at the time with Bush, Dick Cheney, uh, said, I think he said it rather well, we did exactly what needed to be done in order to catch those who were guilty on 9-11, prevent another attack, and we were successful on both parts. Right. And for, go ahead, Felice. No, I was going to say that, um, you know, I agree with what you, what you shared. It just seems to me, what were they supposed to do? Bake them some cookies and say, uh, can you please uh, give us some insider information? I mean, we were at a time uh, that most of us stood in our homes, first of all, in shock that one of the towers was hit. And then by the time the second one, and just because I'm talking about this, Lydia, I'm getting goosebumps, you know? 
yeah. then we heard a second one was hit. And the minute that second one was hit, I don't think anybody didn't realize that this was not an accident. And the first one it seemed like, you know, maybe something terribly wrong had happened to an airplane. But the second one, we just knew something was horribly wrong and it, we were under attack. And then, you know, the news confirmed that. And the the problem with our memories, and, you know, this happens when you lose a loved one, that time does heal. And in, in this horrific case, I don't think any of us, don't know someone who knew someone who who died in the the twin towers or in the attacks or in the plane that went down. I know there was a a, a mom from Cape Coral who was uh, uh, air, on the airline that um, uh, they don't call them stewardesses anymore, but whatever, a flight attendant um, on on the plane that went down. They they realized that they were supposed to. Um, fly into the Pentagon, and it was that plane um, that went down where the only people who died were the people on the airplane, and it didn't take any additional casualties. So, um, you know, it was was close to to home no matter where you were. And if you can't remember that, go back and look at the archives and read through it. Don't be appalled that people that were captured that were going to help uh, divulge in information. Um, you know, we're, we're considered not humane doing that. Probably not. It, it probably is not a humane thing to do. But and and you know, you can't always say, well, the ends justify the means. But this is a, a case of an act of war, an act of yes. terrorism. Absolutely. And that's what we have to look at. And I do believe that one of the things that is coming out over and over and over again is that the the presidency and the higher-ups knew about this and they were sanctioned to do it. So this shouldn't be, this is a mute point, you know? I mean, right, in, in fact, now, uh, yeah. In fact, the, um, everybody, well, everybody that needed to know about it knew about it. Uh, in fact, we knew about it. We didn't know exactly what was going on, but we knew that uh, that some captured terrorists, uh, what what they call them, battlefield, uh, oh, I don't remember the name that they actually used, but um, combat, enemy combatants, we mm-hmm. knew that they were being held and subjected to rough interrogation. Uh, we didn't know the details, um, although waterboarding uh, came out a little bit after that. And we knew it was happening, and we supported it. Now, President Bush, uh, his his uh, administration, uh, the Department of Justice, the Senate and the House Intelligence Committees 10 years ago at that time, in 2002, 2003, 2004, knew about it and approved it. My own mm-hmm. senator, Jay Rockefeller, whom we call Mr. Liberal here in West Virginia and who thankfully is leaving the Senate, Approved. He himself approved it and said, um, well, I really hope we get information out of him, and so on. So now here we are 10 years later, and we have another intelligence committee and another intelligence committee chairperson um, who seemed to think the, maybe they can rewrite history here, where it was okay 10 years ago. Uh, now it's not okay. So apparently what they did uh, was they spent a lot of time 
going through all of the information and cherry picking uh, information that supported an attack on the CIA and on George Bush and so on and so forth. Um, just the liberal. There are people in the Middle East who hate America. And there are people in America who hate America. And I call them liberal extremists. And I think we're seeing some of that bleeding. I'm not saying that Dianne Feinstein hates America, but I think some of that sentiment um, is seeping in her to, into her decision uh, to do this kind of thing. In fact, recently the CIA basically has responded with the, with their own report. I haven't read it yet, uh, but I will in the next few days. In fact, I'm not sure it's available yet. But uh, George Tenet, Peter uh, Porter Goss, Michael Hayden, and now John Brennan have all made it very, very clear, contrary to what uh, uh, Feinstein's report says, that they did gain very valuable information using enhanced interrogation mm -hmm. by stopping uh, future attacks that were in the mill being planned by al-Qaeda. They got evidence that another that a wave of attacks were coming. They captured other terrorist leaders who gave them more information about what was being planned. And uh, we learned that al-Qaeda was considering a nuclear attack an attack on our water system, our electrical grid, and, and sophisticated enough to do the 9-11 attack, they were sophisticated enough to do these other things. And oh, by the way, um, enhanced interrogation led to the killing of Osama bin Laden, which right, is which, justice uh, at its highest level. And didn't Obama get credit for that? But, you know, Oh, he took credit action. for it, but it was actually right, put right. in motion by Bush in 2005. Right. Right. And then, you know, the other thing is that this part was really downplayed <laughs> in the report of all the valuable information. And I think what really gets me, um, I'm looking at it here in the additional notes. And again, if you're listening to this, it's in the, it's on the show page under um, the heading of politics, atheism, and Christmas. Um, but you'll see it there in the notes. But it also says that the report did not interview CIA directors or anyone else involved in the program. And, um, also Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Really, I mean, why would you do that, not even interview the so, people involved in the program? Now you put that together with the other things that we've just talked about. Is this not just a political thing, phony, phony and political? And Diane Feinstein needs to do this before she – um, becomes a member of the minority party and is long, no longer chairman, uh, some Republican will have that honor of the Intelligence Committee. So mm -hmm. it, it just kind of, I don't know, kind of makes makes you nauseous a little bit to see this kind of politiz politicization. Mm, of, right. That's, uh, and the cost was happened what? 10 years ago. And how much did it, did it cost for this report? $50 million, as one journalist put it, that's a lot wow. of donuts and coffee. $50 million. It is absurd. Absurd. And, and when you consider that in 2009, President Obama, uh, as president and commander-in-chief, outlawed any kind of enhanced interrogation. Okay, so it was over with. It was over with and done. So what's her beef six years later after Obama... Uh, president as president puts an end to it 
what was her objective? To put an end to it? You can't put an end to something that's already ended. So it's just a political move on her part. Why? Is I don't know, to get reelected, uh, to get somebody back while she had the chance, because it never would have been released by a Republican uh, Senate committee. It just would not have been. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, while while we do have a moratorium based on this executive order from Obama, his uh, attorney general, Eric Holder, and his people conducted an investigation that lasted for three years. And just like Bush's um, Department of Justice could not find anything, no prosecutable offense uh, for anything that the CIA did back during that time period. Yet here she is in the lapdog media uh, supporting this avenue of attack. So why did they do it? Uh, Why did she do it? Why she wasn't the only one involved in releasing this report? Um, Change the conversation? You know, from the amazing Republican victory in the 2014 uh, election or from a bad economy or the unpopularity of President Obama as we move to the 2016 presidential election. Are we going to see all kinds of things like this coming from Democrats and liberals to try to put Republicans in a bad light before we get to election day? Is that what they're doing? It's called wagging the dog, the tail wagging the dog. And so for the next two years, I think we're going to see a just an avalanche of this kind of stuff. And um, I wouldn't, I don't agree with Jonathan and Grubman that the American people are stupid, but I believe they are largely uninformed. And mm-hmm. they hear and see things like this, and they believe it must be true. I had a student once that said, "Well, it was on television; it must be true." <laughs> oh like well, it took, took a whole semester. Internet, to, right? It took yeah. a whole semester to disabuse my students of that notion. Right. So uh, there you have it. And by the way, a poll just recently out on CIA enhanced interrogation—that's the rough stuff. Justified, fifty-one percent. Unjustified, twenty-nine percent. So. Uh, very large gap in the number of Americans that support it, and then don't know or undecided 20%. Then we have the question, were terror attacks prevented by enhanced interrogation? Yes, 46%, no, 28%. So I guess on that question, it's a question of of who you believe. You're going to believe Dianne Feinstein and her friends that wrote the report, or are you going to believe four CIA directors? and a whole bunch of other people that are now coming out. I just heard um, this morning uh, two in-depth interviews of a man named James Mitchell, an Air Force psychologist who was involved in this enhanced interrogation. And he said without question, he was there. He was in the room. He mm-hmm. said without question, we did retrieve valuable information that saved a lot of lives. He didn't say hundreds or thousands he said saved a lot of lives, meaning the number could not be predicted. So the report is wrong. It is in error um, in many respects, and these things are going to be coming out in the next few weeks before it dies down. Wow. Well, we're going to take a really quick break, Woody, and when we come back we're going to tackle um, – 
the budget upcoming, and uh, I don't know that we're going to have time to get to immigration, but uh, that definitely will be in the agenda in the new year because that's something uh, we really need to look at, maybe just touch on that. So we'll be right back. Hey, that, that's, a, that's an ongoing thing. that It'll be there for a right. very long time. All right, good. What happens when you learn about the fabulous facts of American history, add notable presidential events, and a good measure of the U.S. Constitution? Well, you get a history class that is informative and has no rival. See 64 hours of video taught by AP-level instructor and award-winning professor of American history, Robert Woodrow Wilson, or recorded with a live audience. Now available on demand on your time, you can view this class from the comfort of your own home. This video course comes with instruction, handouts, and the tools you need for a high school level course that can be enjoyed by students of all ages. Especially designed for the homeschool audience and published and produced by Media Angels, a company you have learned to trust with the goal of excellence in education. Need more information? Sure. Go to MediaAngels.com or go to AmericanHistoryKidsClass.com and order your set today. Your kids will thank you. Well, hi and welcome back. My name is Felice Skirwitz and this is an episode of Current Issues in the Constitution. And today, Woody and I have been discussing politics, atheists, and Christmas, and a whole lot more. One of them uh, that we just covered was the... A report on the CIA and um, the interrogation that really, in the end, uh, saved many lives. And as uh, you shared, Woody, before the break, that uh, 51% really considered it justified, and um, I, I would consider it as well. Uh, just again, boggles the mind that this was even a topic of discussion, and that we we are even uh, discussing it because it's so ludicrous. Um, and it just, to me, it just continues to point to um, Barack Obama as probably the worst president ever. I, I don't know. I don't know history like you do, Woody. Um, but could you even think of another president that could compare to what he's doing um, as far as I, – I, I, just, yeah, you know that's happen. something you could get you could get really really deep into. Uh, but we did have uh, uh, James Buchanan, we had uh, Ulysses Grant, we had uh, Warren Harding, Jimmy Carter, uh, Barack Obama. Those would be the five worst, and uh, it would be a very interesting discussion, a very interesting research and debate to say which of those uh, was the very very worst. Right now, I think because we're in the moment, I uh, think we would be um, inclined to say that Obama is the worst of all. And and there are reasons to believe that. We've never had a president as partisan as he is. This guy mm-hmm. represents a very small minority of the American people, maybe 20 or 22 percent. Uh, the far-left liberal agenda, socialist, Agenda 21, United Nations, and all of that stuff, and, uh, and I think that probably that that even if you looked at it fairly objectively and balanced, you'd be inclined to say Obama because he is the only one who has ever so clearly shown a total disregard for our Constitution, and that is unacceptable, it is insupportable, it is unforgivable as far as I'm concerned and many other people also. 
to think that you, an individual, are more more than the Constitution. It's just an amazing thing. But let me ask you a question. You know, we see these numbers. Uh, 51% say that it was justified. 46% say that attacks were prevented. Uh, what do you think uh, those numbers would have been in 2002? I'm sorry, say that again, Woody. Uh, what do you think one... those numbers would have been 10 years ago in answer to those poll questions? Oh, my gosh. They would have been 99%. Yes, justified. Yes, yeah, I, I just, I, I think we were just in a state of shock. Um, it, it, it's just appalling to even even think that we wouldn't have gone to any length to secure um, our border, so to speak, and to get to the crux of it. And now it's as if, you know, we've opened the gates wide and we've got, you know, ISIL and ISIS and, and you know, whatever you want to call them and uh, these terrorist uh, organizations, these lone, um, you know, terrorist attacks, uh, people being beheaded, kids in schools being tortured and murdered. murdered. And, yeah, we've got, we've got a president who's sitting by making confessions now uh, with Cuba. So uh, that was in today's news that came out. So... Um, I'm just sitting here thinking that I need to go to church and just stay on my knees and not get up until it's all over. You know, yeah. it's like, I don't yeah. want to watch the news anymore, Woody. You know, it's and of course it's not being discussed. Um, you know, it is it is a holiday season, so we've got a lot of cutesy things happening in some of the other channels, and um, you know, Fox has some. Uh, they were covering some of the news reports, and it's just really hard for me to even sit there and watch Obama speak at this point. Um, you know, I'm pretty pretty uh, disgruntled with him and, and everything he has to say. Um, but they did, uh, which because we talked about uh, the Pope in the Vatican last, uh, last uh, session, and they did get the representative at the Vatican and apparently um the Pope did write both Obama and um and Castro and say that he wanted to see dialogue going on between the two countries. Uh which I thought was interesting. Um and they asked if he would be going to uh Cuba anytime soon and they said no, that he would not um <laughs> so I don't know. Um I'm sure he he you know, lines of communication are great, and that's not the problem. The problem is, you know, not expecting any change and concessions that happen without, you know, anything. It's not an equal, it was not an equal trade, so to speak. I don't think this one was as bad as the other one where he let these terrorists out for the renegade. Um, no, no. Um, That's as bad as it gets. Yeah. uh, And how are the American people not up in arms about that, Woody? Why didn't we hear... They're uninformed. They're uninformed. They don't know about it. Just a very small number of people. I think uh, James Q. Wilson, the leading political scientist in America at Stanford, uh, a few years back, wrote the great textbooks. He he said that roughly 12% of the American people are really understand the issues that are involved in 
political activity. 12%. 12% of us understand the kinds of things that you and I are talking about. Mm-hmm. And probably 96, you know, 10 years from now, 98% of that 12% are going to be homeschooled students. Kids that are going to public schools never hear this. And families are not paying attention. There are too many. You can text. You can call people on your cell phone. You can play video games. uh, You can watch salacious uh, TV programs. Why watch the news? It's dull and boring. You don't understand it anyway. You've got an awful lot of that going on in America. They're uninformed. Maybe Gridman was right. Wow. So anyway, there it is. By the way, on this um, uh, bill that was passed, I think basically um, it was a, they're calling it a cromnibus. Uh, omnibus means a big bill, $1.1 trillion. It has all kinds of different parts to it, different areas of spending. And they right. added, somebody in the media, I think, added CR and call it cromnibus, CR for continuing resolution, because it is largely a continuation of this past this year's budget um, until next September, and I think that you know the big the big thing about it for Republicans or the majority of Republicans is they didn't want to shut down the government again like they did last year uh, when Ted Cruz uh, pulled that parliamentary uh, maneuver that stopped the process and shut down the government, and uh, Republicans' ratings went right downhill. That's one thing the American people wake up for. You shut down the government, um, they wake up and blame whoever whoever got in the way of it. So I, I think what Mitch McConnell and most Republicans wanted to do this time, and they did ignore Ted Cruz this time, was they wanted to get the thing passed because they're not in charge. Harry Reid and the Democrats are in charge right now. And... So they got they basically played ball and they got some things they wanted, and the big thing that I was worried about and they got was they they funded the whole or most parts of the government, twelve parts of the government till September. But one that is only um, uh, funded until February is the Department of Homeland Security, who has the responsibility of enforcing the borders. They will be funded until. February, by then, Republicans are in charge of both houses. Uh, they can use, you know, take away funding. They can modify Homeland Security. They can pass bills that Obama may or may not uh, sign that really and truly, for the first time, would shut down the borders and make it impossible for, or virtually impossible, for people to come across, not just refugees from poverty, but terrorists as well. There's a report this morning. um, They're discussing that they have found evidence that ISIS is making efforts and may have already put people in America. There are Europeans and North Americans that are going over there and they're being prepared and sent back. And one of them uh, was definitely got into America and they captured him. So this is going on, and um, so Homeland Security has the job of stopping all of that. It's time uh, for Fortress America in this res- in this respect. Uh, raise the draw gates, let the moat, you know, the oceans, uh, protect us from the evil 
that certainly is attempting to come our way, as well as the economic um, difficulties that are created by this, these millions of immigrants escaping poverty and, and other kinds of problems. I mean, who wouldn't want to bring their family to America if you're living in desperate poverty? But we just can't support it. Well, we could, we can, and we can't. We have a bad economy ourselves. And middle right. classes are beginning to hurt. And people can, can't can get anything better than a part-time job. So we've got well, to take care of our own people first. And, and um, So with Republicans in charge, um, there will be um, uh, changes in, in how the border is enforced. And they can also uh, take away any funding for Obama's amnesty problems while waiting for lawsuits uh, from Texas, and by the way, uh, there's going to be one from the House of Representatives and the Senate together um, against the president and against this amnesty uh, executive order. So in the meantime, you re- eliminate funding, and boy, that's powerful. You guys just don't have the money to carry out this amnesty plan. We're not going to uh, give you the money. So I now we have a big fight, separation of powers between the Congress and the president, and it should be very, very interesting. So follow that. Pay attention. Yeah. Um, also, the the funding of Obamacare. What is happening with that? Because open enrollment did end, and um, I haven't heard anything about you know numbers or anything like that, or or any of it being nope. in the news. Mum is the word because Republicans are saying nothing. But you wait till January. And then they will then they will open up. Uh, they've been talking about it. Was talked about in the last election. There are going to be uh, several parts of Obamacare that are going to be defunded. It's just yeah. not not going to happen. And taxes, uh, the tax on medical instruments, for example, that's causing a lot of grief uh, and causing medical costs to go up and up for everybody. Uh, that one's going to be repealed. Uh, the individual mandate will be repealed. In other words, uh, nobody can force young people to buy insurance if they don't want it. So that you're going to, we're going to see those kind of things, I think, pretty quickly. Well, they and, also uh, repeal a, um, a tax <coughs> on those of us who have refused to get insurance that is um, right. is approved. Because, you know, if you don't have yes. a specific yes. type of insurance, you are supposed to have your um, any kind of refund from the IRS garnished to to pay for for the fact that you don't have a specific type of insurance. I, I think uh, based on the rhetoric I've heard over the last few months uh, from Republicans and Republican candidates that anything that does harm or causes pain, harm, or punishment to an American citizen will be subject of repeal or defunding. So okay. I think there are going to be a whole lot of things. You know, to my okay. way of thinking, they ought to just repeal the whole thing, but you know darn well Obama would uh, veto that. But you're making a statement um, to the American people. In 2016, give us a Republican president, and we'll take care of this. Right. Uh, so we'll see how – these are pretty smart people. We'll see how they play it out. And they probably yeah. understand the American voter better than you and I do. Yeah. All right, Woody. Well, this was an, a very informative show, as, as always, and the show notes are very, very good. So 
Um, I recommend that uh, those of you listening that want a copy of that to go to uh, current issues and the constitution.com, scroll down the page and look for politics, atheists, and Christmas, and you'll find the show notes, notes as well as this audio if you're listening somewhere else, like on iTunes or or a friend has shared the link. Um, and as always, we recommend that you listen to some of the other shows on our broadcast as well as sharing uh, this information with others. Well, Woody, you have a wonderful and blessed Christmas. I am allowed to say that on the show. Yes, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Yeah. And remember why we have Christmas. That's right. And be safe in the new year and uh, look forward to better things in January. Yes, that would be very helpful. All right, thank you. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Current Issues in the Constitution. If you'd like to join us live, visit our show page on ultimatehomeschoolradionetwork.com. And for more information about Professor Wilson's classes, visit AmericanHistoryKidsClass.com. See you next week.